what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. You need to be a hundred times more professional in order to be taken seriously in this life because you're not going to get paid in time. You're not like people are going to push you a little bit more than they, they would push a man. I'm sorry to say that, but it's still true. Welcome back. Hey there. Welcome back to Meet Bridget. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Kashia Rosenberg, and together with my best friend and co-host and the CEO and founder of Bridget, I help run a company communication platform for teen girls. Welcome back. We are so excited. We have an amazing guest today. Kashia and I have the mega-talented Bettina Bogar, Hungarian-born photographer, creative producer, and gifted storyteller on the Inspired by her mother's film cameras, Bettina fell in love with photography at the time. Born in Hungary, she relocated to Canada and is now living in Southern California, pursuing her passion for learning all she can about the world and reflecting its beauty back to its people. Along her journey, she learned that great commercial photography is all about providing As a commercial photographer, a background in art essence. direction and high of production, Bettina does it all. Shoots, produces, art directs, content for clients in the advertising, beauty, fitness, lifestyle, and travel industries. She's known for this West Coast aesthetic that you'll see immediately if you search her anywhere. And she has this unique way of working and combining that with crisp, bold, aerography style. In the world is getting to know people and telling their stories through her art. Excited to have her to her here today. You'll also recognize um, her clientele include notable greats such as OPI, Balance, Airbnb, Lululemon, Bravado, uh, American Express, Chevrolet. I mean, I could keep going, but the list is really exhaustive. So we'll cut it at that. I met Bettina um, through shooting for Bravado, which is an amazing um, women's uh, mostly nursing bra company, but they make bras for all sorts of um, different fest are a wonderful woman's brand and I shot with them first I mean it was weeks after um, my baby girl Eden was born so uh, I had a wonderful experience working with Bettina and we kept in touch we did a creative shoot together on the beach and I was just simply by her talent but also her professionalism and her relatability as a person and just a human in this world so welcome Bettina to the pod <laughs> hi Hi, everyone. Oh, we're stoked. I mean, we're, we're excited so to, to be here. I mean, as your bio suggests, there's so many different elements to your story. So we're excited to take it back to the beginning and just kind of see how you've gotten to where you are today. Oh, 100%. I always, uh, it's like, I, when someone reads my bio to me, I'm like, who did that? Did I do that? I didn't do all of that. It's just immediate imposter syndrome. Just like, no, that's not true. That I, I, that's not possible. That many brands. And then, and then, yeah, it's, it's right. It's been 10 years since I, I've started out as a photographer. So it's been a long journey. That's gotta be so cool. I mean, Ash and I have talked a little bit about imposter syndrome cast before. I think that's sort of, um, something that a lot of young women and six now can completely relate to. Um, we will get to that. One of the things that we love to do is we love to start out talking about your formative years, where you came from, what life was like growing up as young Bettina, where your inspiration started, things dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your beginnings, childhood, teen years. Let's get started. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so I, I was born in a small town, um, about two hours from the capital of Budapest. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the whole country, you could cross it just like north to south in like three hours. It's not a big country. We have 10 million people all together, but that kind of just gives you a perspective of how small of a community I'm from. Um, and yeah, my... My mom and dad, they divorced early on. So I would say I was around two or three. Um, and my mom was a single mom raising me by herself. So I definitely think that had a big impact on me when it comes to female role models and just looking up to someone that's powerful and 
and does it all. And she was wow. an entrepreneur at the age of 19. And at the same year I was born. So that's already just something that I can't even imagine. Like thinking about having a nap, just like how, how do you well, to be do starting it? a business? How do you guys do it? Yeah, in that stage, just, I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a lot. She had some family support. Um, but most of all, she just, I think she just always had the tenacity and do, um, something unique and special and do things her own way. And that's exactly what she did. And I kind of grew up in that environment of hustles and, and, you know, I was in the back of the hair salon that she, that she had for herself and she was washing hairs at the front and she's like, okay, she's fine. She's in a crib and then just go back to work. Like it's crazy to think of that. Like it wouldn't, this wouldn't fly in too, but back then it was. Um, and then eventually my mom uh, stopped pursuing her career. I think I was around six or seven when she just shifted and, and just took a full-time job and started school. Um, I was a really, really good student, very smart. Therefore, I was bullied a lot because mm -hmm. That's what people or kids my age were are picked on, I guess. It's just like I've never felt like I belonged in the first eight years of years for me. It's just I didn't feel like that was my community, uh, my kind of people. Um, and I remember my sister. Mm -hmm. So my mom started dating another guy when I was around 10 and she got pregnant. And my sister was born when I was 12. And that was like one of my first big love affairs. Uh, just meeting her and falling in love with her and her cute little personality. And um, we were very, very tight, sister and I. And I remember a few years later, just our bond was so strong mm -hmm. that her dad kind of didn't feel like he belonged. And so there was something weird around that relationship between the four of us. He, him and my mom decided to part ways. And wow. my mom again, of two daughters. And then by then I was around 14 and she had to go back to work. In Hungary, you actually get um, wow. paid mat Three years? years? I've never heard of anything oh God, like that's that. that's amazing. I know. I know. I know. So first two years is like fully paid. And then the third year, I think it's like a little bit less, but you can still pursue it if you have, you know, a partner and the two of you like provide income for the family. That's totally doable. Um, so I think my sister was two, three. Yeah. Around that time she started kindergarten and my mom had to go back to work. And so that was, um, a big change for us because she worked in three shifts and she very heavily relied on me taking care of my sister. So in some ways I've become a mom at the age of 14 or at 12, I guess <laughs> she relied on me heavily, but she was just like, listen, this is it. Like my shift starts at 6am. You need to take her to, to kindergarten on your way to school or you need to pick her up on your way home from school and you have to feed her dinner and put her to bed, et cetera, et cetera. So every week it was a, it was a different schedule for me, but by then I shifted yeah. and moved to move down to high school and I ended up being in a different community at the top, mm. top of the, the best high school of my town. And I love my community. It was a little bit easier for me to, to take care of her and not be bullied anymore at this new environment with smarter people and kids around me. And it just, it felt like that shift was at the perfect time. Yeah, I mean, that's such a the good responsibility point to that be like sense. reflecting <laughs> on. You're like, you know, this, this was an additional burden that I was taking on, like caring for my sister, but um, also like appreciating that you had these other things that were helping you feel more adjusted and, you know, less stressed out in other areas of your life. I mean, I certainly think it was a stressful just going from like an average school to somewhere where the expectations are so much higher. 
because it, it is everybody's just so smart and you still want to be the smartest kid in your class. You're no longer it because you look around and like, wow. But I finally felt like these were my people and that's where my first really good friendships were born. Did a life and still every time I go home and visit my childhood best friend, I go to her home and we still hang out and still keep in touch and she still lives in Hungary. So it's just nice to see that that was so foundational for me. Yeah. What, that's a ton of responsibility to have, especially at that age, let alone, you know, be watching your mom sort of accomplish all of this as a single parent twice over um, with two young daughters. I can relate a little bit because I was, I'm much older than my younger sibling. And then naturally, it's one half you want to do it, but then there's a responsibility sort of thrust on you. Mm-hmm. So what kind of outlets did you have, especially before you transitioned into your new school? Were there things that you picked up or hobbies or habits that you like sort of had on the side where you could just kind of take a step away from your big sister responsibilities and the bullying at school that would kind of alleviate all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of, uh, in elementary school, I did a lot of dancing, like modern dance. Uh, I loved that. But then as I've gotten into my teens and tweens, uh, I got a performative art and we would have these different events where we would perform, but are in, in town and eventually we, we, mm-hmm just kind of yeah, got pushed like out of that because of the age yeah. it was just almost embarrassing to like dance yeah. in front of and you're like a teen and you're like have this growing body and you're awkward yeah. already and now you have to like dance in front of these boys that you like and then these girls that believe <laughs> so I ended up leaving that around 12 um and yeah I mean photography was always something I was leaning towards and um born it's so funny she was my first muse and model and we were just I was just at home actually two weeks ago and we were looking at the the photo albums hers and mine and you know I had about 100 photos from my childhood and she had thousands because I just I just like I took rolls after rolls after rolls of her and it was just like such a cute little experience and I would dress her up in like different costumes and we would do like full-on photo shoots and Again, she's just a toddler at this point, but we had the most fun together. And um, funny enough, she also became a dancer as she grew up. So that little performer was in her as well. And she just loved all her photo shoots. And um, we had a lot of fun. But I actually, it's funny enough, I can't really remember doing anything else aside Mm -hmm. from studying, taking care of my sister and hanging out with my friends. I actually think that that was it for me for a long time. So as I was growing older, I kind of missed out on my teens. I didn't have that crazy like posters and, and and like, I don't like my mom and I hate my mom and any of that face. I didn't have it. Yeah, I was a good girl. And that kind of came out later on <laughs> in my like 19, 20, 21. I just like, partied like me and I had to get a system I feel like I don't know if it happens to everyone but for me it just like had to happen I had to go party every weekend and kind of I can that relate to that too I, I mean really, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, all my siblings we were like really good good kids then it was sort of later like I like a lot I hear that story from a lot of um very well behaved young that it's like you I mean maybe you don't go crazy not everyone goes like full rebellion but you have to have like a stage in your life to kind of just you know and sometimes it comes earlier sometimes it comes later I'm so interested I mean I didn't know that you had a dance background but thinking of your images and even like the way you direct when you're shooting um you you have this wonderful way of capturing the form in like in movement, you know, in motion. And um, you get that kind of like element of um, like expression mm-hmm. and freedom out of your images. So I, I'd love for our audience to honestly go Google Bettina's work. Um, it's just, it's just beautiful. But I think that um, it's fun to hear that because while at the time, like maybe you ultimately felt bullied for 
studying dance, how that is something that um, ultimately has probably informed the way that you you work now, you know, just having that, that study of the female form or, or male form in, in movement. So. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think photography is a lot about body language and we communicate a lot with our bodies and, and with our eyes. And, and, and I was always someone that just kind of like, I was rather a watcher and observer and just, I, I feel like I still to the day understand a lot more about how you're sitting and how your, how your hands are versus what you're saying. And I always tend to watch that to understand someone's intentions before they even say anything, but to walk into a boardroom and how to have carry that confidence with you because, because of that knowledge. I don't know if it's coming just from the dance background, I studied it a lot because I was genuinely so interested in all of that and we communicate again, a lot with our bodies and more than what, we, what you would think. Yeah. It also sounds like you were very observant, even as a young child, because when you talk about your recollection of growing up, I know you said you, the only things that you feel like you can remember are, um, you know, studying your sister, but you also were really keenly paying attention to your mother as a role model from a very young age. So like you were recognizing that she was doing things on her own and that it was just the two of you. Do, do you find like when you go back into that space and time, were you always so observant of your surroundings? Like were you more of a quiet individual or did you feel like you were mostly externally expressive, like in the way that you danced? I think I was a very, very quiet kid. Um, I loved going to the library. Now I'm getting memories back. And I remember... Yeah, I spent basically after school, I always went there and I wanted to learn everything that had to be learned about psychology, even just like human demand, female, like what's happening to my body. Cause like in my family, like my mom has a high school degree and that's about it. So there wasn't really a lot of educational mm-hmm. or like educational background, I guess. Or there isn't much that she could share other than what she already. Mm-hmm. It sounds like How you're kind of saying that it wasn't like a little bit the way that, that she educated you wasn't like formal from her experience. And it wasn't like this structure. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. So when I like my mom was very street smart mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. but she was never really like a book smart person. And my questions were a little bit more in depth and Mm -hmm. I wanted to know more and more. And eventually I realized that, oh, wait, hold on. My parents don't actually know everything I want to know. And where do I find the information before internet? Um, And that was in the library and I went there a lot and I learned a lot. I read a lot. And then when I got my first PC uh, and the internet came along, the dialogue that was just like, information explosion just wow Holy information moly. at the tip of your fingertips exactly. <laughs> as long like, as no one else is trying to the three minutes of you logging on the dial <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah as long as no one's sending a fax <laughs> exactly did you guys use uh we had, MSN, um, messenger AOL, or like, like icq AIM, or all of that instant messenger oh, yeah. And yeah, it was, it was yeah. a problem in our house. It's like, okay, like who's, who's making a call? Who's on instant messenger? Who's doing siblings too? So it was just. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't even think about that as an issue because my siblings are all so much younger that, you know, they're totally. lucky. They're almost like in a different generation in terms of technology. Mm-hmm. Like my brother, who's six years younger than me, by the time he yeah. was going through middle school, was like, oh, self kids have cell phones. Yes. Like I got a cell phone. For me, I was like, my mom school, had to take on a walkie-talkie. Which like I was talking <laughs> to someone yesterday about, um, <laughs> they're talking about their in school and they're like, oh, I think it was like first grade. They're giving kids like iPad. Like, oh, what? <laughs> but I mean, it's amazing. It's just that's how technology is, has oh evolved. Gosh. Yeah. Talk about the 
talk about the difference in learning how to read people's facial expressions and body language. I feel like that's something that's going to be more of a challenge for kids growing up today than it was for us because we are so dependent on interactive play, whereas now, you know, it's so great because we can talk to you from miles and miles away in different cities. And But, you know, it's, it's a different world yeah. than, than what we totally. grew up in. There's an emoji for everything, right? Yeah. You don't really yeah. need to express how you feel. I'll just send you an emoji. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember uh, being on like when that started on MSN Messenger a lot. And I think that's where my first real friendships were born almost once because Wout and I we were chatting until like mm -hmm. 10 these bonds with people that totally. you may have not had the courage to go up to in school because yeah. stranger danger yeah. but like well, I, I oh, feel like so I've never but I feel like um, in yeah. high school I because I, I stayed at the same high school with a lot of the same kids that I had been known kindergarten I felt like my persona in, in while we were at school was already like developed you know so I started having some friendships and stuff that were kind of my instant messenger friendships and I was like this is like a place where I can actually continue to like change on that like where I don't always I feel kind of static the person that I am in high school you know but it was sort of like this like different you know and I mean that's evolved into totally. a completely different thing now with everyone having social media profiles and avatars and the meta space and everything you know it's just like uh, it's yeah. to another level now but I remember kind of feeling like <laughs> okay like I, if I feel stunted in certain areas of my personality in person I'm like these are conversations I'm like talking about deep things that I never knew I could <laughs> actually connect with another high schooler about so mm -hmm. 100% mm -hmm. and I feel like we have so much pressure on young people nowadays to just be like What's in your bio? You yeah. have these 160 yeah. characters. Go. Who are you? And with us, in our back in our day, we were like, I don't know. Am I an emo girl today? Or do I like <laughs> hip-hop? Or like, what do I like? Who am I? And you get to change and, yeah. as you said, like evolve and and just like play around with different persons and see what was fitting. And there's no fit on the internet. <laughs> Where is this oh, today? Yeah. Oh, that's Everything's such a good point. That's yeah. such a good point, especially for someone like moving schools. I mean, you get in yourself every time, but I mean, yeah. I now we even like, because I feel like that, this just brings there. up another thing. Like, totally. When we would go off to college after high school, it was like, ugh, I remember thinking about college and all this is my chance to like start fresh, big city, new people. And I'm like, I'm just going to blank slate it, you know? I'm like, I've been waiting like my, um, but I wonder if like, mm -hmm. you know, young people really have that same freedom yeah level of like you know if college provides that to young people anymore to the extent that it could when we didn't really like yes we had like a little myspace stuff like <laughs> or whatever we did on the internet but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't such like a I, I feel like you know I, I run into pretty like building brands you know and um it's powerful you know in mm -hmm. a sense but it's also I don't know uh, I think it takes the magical awkwardness out of childhood. <laughs> I agree with you. I could go back and tell my childhood yes. self something and be like, just absorb these awkward years. Right. They're and going to really provide you like when you're okay. older. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm really, really interested, and you kind of touched on it, but I want to know about like the first time you ever played. Tell us about that time where like, the spark happened and you're like, oh my God, there's magic in being able to capture these. Things. Um, I don't recall the first time, but my mom had a lot of film cameras and I remember spending all my allowance on just getting the film developed uh, and just being so excited. And that was like between the ages of eight till 12. And you know, the big revolution of digital happened and um, and I was like raving a digital camera, but I never, I never had like a, too expensive. And my best friend at a time, her dad bought this like Canon starting kit. It was yeah. just, just so high end and like really, really cool. 
And I remember we were sitting at the front of her house and the sun was shining in beautifully. And she had this tiny Vespa that she like rode me around town with. And the two of us would just always like go from A to B or school to home with it. Um, and I was like, why didn't you pose for me on your Vespa? Like, that sounds like a good idea. And I'll use your dad's camera to just like try it out. And funny enough, I was just home in Hungary and I brought home a stack of CDs with me and the images that are on them. So I haven't seen these oh. in like 15 years or more. Oh my God. And I was just like, holy moly, these are the first actual digital photos I've yeah. taken that were like an editorial at a time of my friend. And then I would just use like selective color and like have her lips be different color. And then her body is black and white. I'm like, this is so terrible. But at the same <laughs> time, but at the same time, wow, like I really started early on and yeah. I never really noticed these these patterns until much later in life. Like I never really decided that I'm going to be a photographer until I was 21 or 20. Like it was it was like a big, a big long stretch of developing this love for for the art, for the craft. And I remember like as I was getting older and like more interested in guys, I was always falling for guys that had cameras or like were photographers or did something artsy or like music. Or, like there was something always, and I didn't know why I was so attracted to them. But now looking back, I'm like, of course, because mm. they all did something that I wanted in my personality uh, that I was too scared to kind of take on or admit that okay to do that. Tell can we dive into that some more? Like, so totally. how did you make? So you went to this new high school, which was sort of a new outlet for you to be more yourself and not just the Bettina that was taking care of your sister and had a lot of adult responsibility. And it might be a little different too. So you'll have to explain. In Hungary, is it traditional to already be thinking about you know college or university, like? Is it typical for you to, you know, like here in the United States, I feel like, especially now, there's a lot of pressure on young kids to know what their next step that they're going to take right after high school. Like, did you feel the same type of pressure? Did you have like a pathway set out? And was photography a part of that at the time? Um, for me, my pathway was um, definitely not set out, but tons of pressure on have good grades, study, you have to get into some kind of university. And again, university, if you have good grades, it's free in Europe. And I ended up getting into um, a school, a university that I picked based on purely just the name of the course. And it had something amazing in it. And I'm like, I like, I'm going to go for it because I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And my mom was pushing me to just really go and have a job where you can wear a white shirt and go to an office and make great money. Don't don't have the life that I had. Like, you know, you need to like up this family line and, and be smart. You're smarter. You need to do great things in life. So, and, and that's what I want for you. So I ended up choosing uh, public administration um, as um, my BA degree, which was basically working for the Hungarian government. And... It like I got in immediately. It was it was great, but um, it had nothing to do with art. It was and economics, and that's about it. And at the end of the day, I could work for any town hall or anything like that in Hungary or any ministry, or governmental, bureaucratic institution. That would be me. And and when I I realized about a year into my university studies that I like this is not for me, mm -hmm. but it was instilled in me that I. I can't quit. Might be so upset if I oh, I finished school. I started working halfway through, and ended up um, picking up an office job. I uh, <laughs> was my mom's pride and joy, uh, and I was working on actually writing EU tenders for different uh, governments, um, like city governments or town halls, and allowing them to access funds to better their towns. So it was really cool. It was like an urbanistic development, kind of tender writing, um, very niched in um, 
career that I started out when I was 20 or 19, 20. And it's like a very, very cool job. And then I'm um, being grabbed from there and headhunted for another position. Who knows where I would be right now, but, but something, something was not right. And I felt like I need to get out. And that's when I made the choice of, okay, if I am going to get out, mm. I'm not just going to leave this job. I'm going to leave the country. And in the meantime, in my free time, dating a <laughs> photographer. I was dating another photographer. Then I was dating a DJ. Um, <laughs> and I remember this guy that I moved to Canada with. He was very pushing me to have hobbies, to, to like really like stop working all the time. Like, what do you really like to do? And, and he was the first when I was like, I really like to take pictures. I think that's what I want to do. And he was the one that really pushed me. He's like, listen, my best friend has this really cool camera. Like he will loan it to you, try it out. Mm. And I did. And I loved it. And then I went to my other friend who was also a photographer and I begged him to teach me the basics of DSLR. And I remember like in a course of one hour, he taught me everything that need that you need to know about how to shoot in manual mode. And it it's it was sticking like this. It was just like a quick, like, oh my God, that's so simple. I know how to work this. This is how light works. This is insane. It just like everything in my head just like started connecting. And after that, he said, listen, you look very, very intrigued by this process. So I'm going to be your assistant. Let's organize a couple of creative shoots and see what you got. And I, I had a lot of girlfriends at a time. So I asked every single one of them who wants to post for me, I'll give you photos for free. Let's try this out. And we did a whole day. I think we had like four five, six different women come in and they all were posing for me. And just like, I think it was like at our old apartment. And my photographer friend at the end of the day, he just looked at me and he said, you're so creative. I've never been this creative in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you do that? And like, how did you come up with all these different poses? How did you create, how did you make these women so feel so comfortable and the photos look so good. And this is your first mm -hmm. big girl camera and <laughs> first time really doing this. And, and I had no idea it was just coming so intuitively. So that was a big, big moment of success for me. And, and that's where I was like, maybe I could do this. But then I looked around and I'm in Eastern Europe. This is a male dominated industry. There's not much opportunity. So that's where I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to be in North America. And, and that's where I, that's where my dad came in because he lived in Toronto. Oh, wow. In Canada and seen him at that point mm -hmm. in 10 years. He left when I was 12 and I just said, listen. I think I want to come and see you. And I want to try a life wow. out there. And he said, by all means. Oh my gosh, you need to leave. Come out. Try it out. Yeah. Did you have a, yeah. Did you have a relationship with him before this? Like, did you, was he a, a big part of your life growing up, even though he lived in Canada? Or was this really just like, call him up one day and I'm, I'm headed over? <laughs> Actually, it's very crazy. I kind of missed that from my it's interesting. I was so focused on my mom, but uh, I was a girl until like, I think forever, but he left when I was 12 and moved to Canada. And when he announced that yeah. it was just like one day, it's just like I'm leaving. And it was a giant shock to my system. And he just said, I'm going to go for a year. And then from one year, it became five years. And from five years, it became like he never came home. So that was like, it's, it's still a big trauma. I think that I, I'm working through in therapy, but I, my dad was everything that my mom wasn't and vice versa. My mom was steady, always there for me when I needed her, but not necessarily as emotionally available as my dad would be. My dad was the hugger, the lover. You got this. My mom was just like, study hard and, and keep your head low and just, yeah, be a hard worker. 
that's that that was my mom so it's like two different worlds and i one of them just all of a sudden disappeared and he didn't really call much you would call like once every three months so that had to have been really hard that that was really really hard and i carried this image of my dad in my head that like he was this fantastic person and he left me and obviously um that's not the case so when I arrived in Canada and I actually met the guy he wasn't the same person that I imagined he would be so having that kind of expectation and that crumbling was a big disappointment for three in Canada and I picked up a job I started working on my own uh Mm -hmm. and being on my own because it was how old were you when you went to Canada uh with my dad Okay. And what, what were your mom and dad doing for work 22, at the time? A few months after. My mom, I think my mom was st- still working in like a three shifts type of situation. Um, and my dad. Okay. Construction. Yeah. It's so, it, it's, it's so interesting because so. Oh, I totally wrote her. Um, she was uh, doing a stand-up two, two years ago, last year here um, in West Hollywood. And I walked up to her and I'm like, I just want to say, I think you're a queen. Yes. And she looked at me and said, you're a queen. And we're just like, fangirling each other. It's so talented. I love it. I love it. Well, now you know you have something in common with her. You both got your starts at Farm and Spuds. I mean, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> that's hilarious. So I love this transition from, you know, being a teen girl in Hungary, figuring out that you have this part of you that's so deeply in love with creativity and then sort of like just taking these leaps, you know, like moving to Canada, like reaching out to your dad, moving into your own apartment and then just taking these gigs. It's like, it feels like you sort of just kept putting one foot in front of the other, which is like one of like Asha's and I, like it's one of our favorite themes ever. <laughs> it's like, that's how you get the big things done. You have to do it in small steps. So what was like the first gig that you had where you were like, oh my God, this is huge. Right. This is significant. I'm like fully on my way to being a professional photographer. Mm-hmm. Good question. I mean, just to go back to what you were saying, I think telling this story is like, I just did this and did that. In full transparency, this was all really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And there were many, many breakdowns and cries. And the first couple of years, I actually couldn't get to see my mom because of the visa stuff. So I couldn't fly back home. And so it was almost like being together every day to going from there to like not seeing her for years heartbreaking um which is i think what gave me even more drive right, like you almost didn't really have that safety net of like going back to your happen. mom and like did i make the wrong decision you know who saved to that yeah there was no and like my mom my mom couldn't help financially my dad couldn't help financially it was just me and they were you know, like hey can, can you loan yeah. us the catch <laughs> like okay cool like literally no safety net all environments was you can do and um so honestly for that big first gig didn't come to me until 2016 i would say i moved to canada 2012 wow. um so it was i picked up through with through photography i also picked up this gig at 500 pixels which was um it's okay. a tech company that it's similar to Flickr. You can showcase your professional photography portfolio. And it was a big thing at a time. Uh, it's still pretty, like a very famous platform. A lot of professional photographers use it to showcase their portfolio and potentially sell your photographs. And I got hired there by this amazing woman called Laura. She, she thing in me that I didn't see at the time. And she looked at my portfolio and she's like, I think you're great. And I'm like, no, I'm here because I wanted your job. But like, now you're hiring me for something way lower, but okay, whatever. And she, she's like, no, no, no. Like, this is, this is what you need to do. You're, you're going to become a, a content curator for a business. And 
she put me into this team of seven and we're all photographers curating content for their stock collection. Every day I had to go through 12,000 images um, and pull out the 100, 200 top that were the best and sellable. And I feel like doing that for whatever many months I was doing that gig for totally. and a commercial photo. really taught me what like a good photo you know, is. It's one thing like, to have like an art photo, but something that you're like, good this, commercial there's money photo. here. So I was like, already a different eye. Exactly. Will this sell? And uh, she's like, I think you have the style, you know, you know, what's good, but you know, this intuitively, let me teach you actually how to do this properly. And, and I love that job and I love the community. And I find that it felt like I, I belong. This is, this is my first time ever. I'm surrounded by all the creative artsy people from Russia, from like Czech Republic. Everybody was from somewhere else, Italy. And we're just all with these accents talking about photography. It was fantastic. And um, later on, um, a few years later, I think this was in 2014, two years later, uh, I got a call back to the same company. Uh, they were looking for, again, help with curating. And they had a big project going on for Airbnb. At the time, uh, they were producing um, neighborhood guides. Uh, for airbnb.com, which was basically photographers were all over the world creating, capturing photographs of different neighborhoods of big metropolitan cities. And I thought that was like the coolest thing. And they brought me in to kind of trim down and help uh, present these photos to the clients. And someone who was shooting the, the Los Angeles collection was just not delivering up to the standard. And I, I'll never forget Laura called me into her office and she's like, so have you been to Chicago? I'm like, no. Well, do you have friends in Los Angeles? I'm like, yes. And she's like, okay, can you fly you to like shoot, shoot these because whoever is there is not doing a good job and I trust you and I know you can deliver. And I was like, what? Tomorrow? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Sure, whatever. <laughs> so I had to cancel whatever bar mitzvah I am. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, now a lot of Jewish moms be really wow. upset. <laughs> yeah. And I was four days. So, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I remember landing here, got into an like, all expenses paid trip, paid for my hotel, uh, and I got paid for my work. And I remember, like, in first time in LA, first time in Santa Monica, just walking around. I'm like, wow, I'm here to work. This is so cool. Like, I love this. And then they ended up actually keeping me here for four weeks because the client really liked my work. And that was the first time ever where I felt like I'm working for a global brand. That is so cool. Uh, and the client loves the way I shoot and I'm getting paid and I'm like, I'm better than an LA photographer. Like that's, that feels really good. So I think that was a, like, I made it moment for me. Cause just like pinch me. And after that, I started landing a lot more commercial brands. Canada and the, but that's how it started and that's where I fell in love with Los Angeles and here and the neighborhood and that's where I live later on but that's that's another story but yeah I'm so, so that curious was, that was because for me. your move and the boldness of you going and meeting your dad and just like really having no no out you know um but I also mm -hmm. very close with your mom and your sister and um it must, it was obviously difficult in so many ways to, to make that decision and leave them. Did you deal with any, um, like what, what did your mom think of you much more into photography versus like, uh, you know, a desk job. And was there a transition point to where she was like, okay, like Bettina's going to be okay. Like, I'm proud of you. Like, did you feel that kind of tension and then, um, approval later? Like what, what was that kind of a relationship going through them? You've really tapped in there because I still don't think my mom understands why I do photography after this many years. We're just sitting at her kitchen table um, again two weeks ago and she said, I really get it. And I'm like, not a problem, mom. I understand. And I understand that I cannot change you and I can't warp your views. You are who you are. And this is how you look at the world. And this is how I look at the world. And you know, I flew her out since and she's been to both of my homes and she, she's seen how I live and how I live. And my sister totally gets it. She's like, you're cool. But my mom just 
no, she won't. She won't get it. And that's completely fine. I, I don't look for her approval anymore. Um, my dad, my dad always encouraged me. But my Does mom your sister just, still live in she's Hungary? She's who she is. So, yeah. Okay. What does she do? She still lives in Budapest. Yes. She, she just graduated actually not so long ago from high school. Um, she did like a few extended years and uh, she is a dancer. So she does, she loves hip hop. So it's like just so extremely talented. I cannot wait to have her out here and just have her experience the, the type of music people dance to and the type of culture. Oh, so that's our next step. They're coming out this summer. Totally. Yeah, it's going to be nice for her. <laughs> LA, San Francisco, the Bay Area. Yeah, just I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. So um, your sister. I'd love, now that we, you've really taken us on a tour through your life, the trials and tribulations, like, you know, the great parts and the part of you, do you feel like throughout all of this, you've established routines that you could share with some of our listeners or, or mantras perhaps that really helped, you know, you keep going and pursuing something that you love so passionately even in the face of adversity of, you know, big life change of, you know, your parents not understanding, like, how do you feel your desire to keep going when it gets really hard? I always say, uh, just to take it one breath at a time, not even one step at a time, because how you feel at the moment can be completely different 20 minutes from now. And because I'm Aries, very like hard-headed <laughs> and very emotional and I tend to feel like the world is ending about once a day and that it actually will I will feel like that for 20 minutes and I'll take my break and after 20 minutes it's all gone mm -hmm. it's just like almost like a system reboot and I mm -hmm. and I I learned like, reboot and I learned how my brain works and how I can regulate my emotions by just allowing myself to breathe and give myself space. So even with my boyfriend, we've yeah. been together for eight years. I'm just like, walk. <laughs> 20 minutes and I'll be back because <laughs> if, if I stay here, we're going to have a really nasty fight and no one needs to do that. Um, another thing I learned because of all the disappointments I've had in my life because of the people that I've had in my family or relationships, etc., is that it's actually not your job to fix people. And the sooner you learn that, the harder you get in life. But it is also your job to work on yourself and work on your trauma and go do therapy and and try and break that, you know, generational pattern that's happening to you and just don't carry it forward. So yeah. that's, that's been my life's work, I feel like. That's significant. I think your authenticity and your ability to go inwards actually really comes through in your photos. I mean, not only do you capture the essence of the people you're photographing, but even wow. landscapes. Like there's this photo in your portfolio of Joshua Tree, which is beautiful and rugged, but it's also incredibly hard to capture that type of beauty. It's, I mean, for me, a non-photographer, but you do it in a way that's so beautiful that it actually evokes all of these. It's like you captured the road and wow, this is into a space of peace and being a part of this journey and, and taking things started. It's like very cool. Again, if you, if you haven't seen Bettina's work, you have to Google it, go to her website, check it out. It's, it's, it's very, it's very beautiful. Right. Thank you so much. Do you want to be my manager? That was really nice. Well, I, I, I loved like you were talking about um, you know, the woman who hired yeah. you um, at that collective, and um, like you can just see how powerful it is to have a person like look you in the eye and be like, "You've got something, and you're gonna make it." You know, and and just having it can because of that whether that's it continues for a long time, but just having someone give tech and acknowledging where you're going and being like. But this, this is the work you have to do. Keep going. Yes. I mean, and I think that that's such a big part of our whole kitty is that whether we're interacting, you know, with our grown professional women and stories or just 
listening girl and being like, it's okay. Like you got this, you have so much to work with, you know? Um, I, I think that that's so powerful and I love that. Um, I also, one thing I've, I've really seen and with you through working with you, um, was your level of professionalism too. Obviously you have had a lot of creative success that you're but I think that a lot of creatives struggle with, you know, running themselves as, as, as a business and presenting themselves to the world, pitching themselves to clients, um, following up and really just, just creating their, um, their business end of things. Can you tell us a little bit about how those skills started and how they developed and anything that you do to really like run, like switch back and make entrepreneurial mind? Totally. Um, I think I owe a lot of my success to my mentors. I always say this and I, I really try and focus in now 10 years into this career on giving back. So when I hire, I hire women or I hire people that I, I know that need that look in the eye and be like, you've got this. Uh, and so I've launched a lot of mentorship sessions and et cetera, et cetera, just to help my community as well. Um, and that's, that's exactly like that, that entrepreneurial thing is that thread is coming from my mom. A hundred percent. I I've watched her hustle and I learned through the mentors of my life, which happened to be all women is that you need to be a hundred times more professional in order to be taken seriously in this life because you're not going to get paid in time. You're not like people are going to push you a little bit more than they, they would yeah. push a man. I'm sorry to say that, but it's still true. And so you have to take yourself seriously first. So then everybody else will. So a lot of, a lot of the times it just happens to be, you know, making sure your contracts are signed, making sure your invoices are sent out in time, that you go up and meet in time, that you're, you deliver on your promises. If you say the photos will be in your inbox by May, by May 3rd, they are there. And, and I learned to never break my word. So because at the end of the day, that's all I Love have that. is just my well, word. Well, and that it's like it, mm -hmm. it takes convincing yourself mm -hmm. first, you know, that it's like it's not all about being like, everyone's got to take me seriously. It's like before you could even approach that and commute to the world, what you do, you know, you demand as a professional mm -hmm. and how you do business, you have to first really believe it yourself and be like, I deserve this. This is the work I'm doing. And, you know, I'm not self before trying to convince anyone else. Exactly. Exactly. All you have is your record at the end of the day, right? So you're, you have to just take that thing oh, seriously. So good. Well, I mean, we, we got up to the point of your, you know, your first big commercial, um, jobs, any like more recent big learnings or breakthroughs or shifts that you've experienced, um, since that time that you'd like to share. Um, I think since that time, so I, through, to continue the immigration journey, I ended up uh, swearing Adian in 2019, I became a citizen, uh, now holding two passports, European and Canadian. And of course, at the same year, taking the next step, um, I ended up getting an O1 visa to the United States, which is only for extraordinary talent, which I, yeah. I think it sounds it very fancy. It, it kind of is actually, it's very hard to, and it takes a lot to maintain and, um, uh, hard to extend. So I am on my second OVO now, uh, and I got represented here in Los Angeles. So we moved out in 2019. The moment I got my Canadian pass, I just left. I'm just like this crazy, crazy person that needs to keep going to put herself into more and more challenges. Um, I don't know where the drive is coming from, <laughs> but I'm sure I'll find out in therapy <laughs> later on. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we moved here and, you know, I expected because at that time I was already like one of the top, top, top photographers in Toronto and I had the biggest clients you can get in Canada. And when I moved here, I realized that I was actually a big fish or a top photographer. But looking back, I realized, wow, I was really a big fish in a small pond and I'm here in LA and I'm in the ocean and there's sharks and I'm, it doesn't 
matter if I'm a big fish, everybody else is extremely talented and they were born here and they know people here and they don't have an accent. Like, so I started listing everything that I don't have compared to them. And I started minimizing myself and my talent and I ended up going down this like not nice Mm -hmm. path um, throughout the pandemic. And it's only been, I think, six, seven months how I can pull myself out of it, what tools I need to apply to not feel like I'm not enough and what kind of hope I have to insert into my own life to be able to continue on this path because I made Mm -hmm. this decision and I'm not so again, backs down. So I'm just going to continue and, uh, and it's been way better now. I don't recommend moving. I don't Thank you for sharing that. I mean, yeah. I think <laughs> that it is so powerful to yeah. to have those moments where it's like, oh, the deep dark night, and then, hey, well, what what is working for me? So you mentioned optimism, uh, confidence, you know, that have helped you pull out of that that place. Can you share anything specifically, whether it's a routine that you have, or something that you like, how you kind of switch when you're you're finding yourself thinking more negatively? So mm-hmm. I, first of all, I found a really great therapist. It was I went through three different people until I landed her, which I, I highly Mm -hmm. recommend. Um, she has tools like EMDR that really worked for me. Um, and my physical health, I didn't realize how much it impacts my mental health and just putting myself Mm -hmm. onto the daily routine of working out at least for an hour a day. And whether that's like an hour long walk Mm -hmm. or an hour worth of power lifting weights, uh, I, I made it possible so I can just go in my garage and do it and get it over with. And the, the shift in mood and the hopefulness and the optimism is so much easier to instill extra regime. I feel like I just felt, I feel invincible on days like that when I had a really hard workout and I never thought I would be able to push through and I do. And I think that kind of discipline just helps you create a bigger picture of like oh no if I can do this like one workout at a time I can do this one email at a time and I can continue building this work empire empire that I have but I also just stopped putting so much pressure on me when it comes to finding um, joy and success I no longer look at financial success as something that like is the must yes it's obviously great to have and like I wouldn't be able to write a business without paychecks but I also just started focusing a little bit more on art and finding the everyday joy in creating pictures that I want like those kind of creatives when I started out with my girlfriend on the best spot that's the stuff that I'm looking for now and since I've been creating art working out every day going to therapy everything else just aligned so right. like taking <laughs> kinda, it back like to kind of the building situation. blocks it's like how am I physically feeling like how is my heart feeling like what are some things I need to you know address like what's pulling me down that I don't even acknowledge right now dealing with those building blocks and then it's like okay wow like and now exactly. I have a different perspective on everything that I'm doing and I can take it one moment at a time I literally decided to take body and soul but I didn't know what they were missing so I had to individually, everything else seemed like it was not connected. And now everything just puzzled together and it's perfect. I love that. It's actually something you hear a lot, but I think that you did a really great job of outlining how exactly you did that. Like your mind with therapy, your body with exercise, your soul with leaning into the art aspect of your work more than, you know, focusing on how to be successful, you know? Exactly. Uh, well, this is bringing me so much joy. I love talking to a creative and I know she does too and could keep you forever and, and we really can't, but um, we're, we're so honored to have you on the show and that you came on a busy Monday. So we begrudgingly are going to move into something we call our Fast Five which is just kind of a fun, simple, lightweight to kind of shake off all of like the deep, you know, you know, the depths that we went into during our interview and just kind of laugh and, 
and um, ask quick questions for quick answers. So if you're ready, Asha, you can sure. take it away with yeah, what um, is, um, question what's number like one. What's like a difficult part of being a photographer that people don't always like think about? Like a difficult thing or an annoying thing? I know. I was like, wait, that wasn't really light. I think it's very heavy, guys. <laughs> oh, actually, physically heavy. I thought you were saying all my equipment was heavy. is so heavy and physically. No, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that was so great. No, Gosh, I wish I everyone could have like, seen oh, your face. That was so like, funny. No, that's such a good point, though. There's so much equipment. <laughs> okay. So much equipment. That's where so the weightlifting well, comes in. Exactly. <laughs> you got it. It's a gold rating. You got it. Okay. Where is your favorite shoot in the world? Oh, my goodness. I I think nothing beats the light in LA, though. There's this, like, gorgeous fog you get and that haze. Yeah. And just, like, it filters the sunlight. Right? Oh, it's a natural filter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Might be clogging our pores. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. 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 It's great. No, no, no. But your your pictures, yeah. like, make LA look so good. As it should. Um, what time. is the number one mistake that you notice novice photographers making? Um, they really worry about focus instead of composing the picture they really worry about making the manuals the manual settings mm -hmm. great where all you need to do is just capture a moment and that makes them yeah, forget you see the photo as a whole and not just like okay that one moment. piece of hair or whatever focus right yeah or like is this sharp enough where is that like mm. if my focus on the eye yeah. instead the of moment. the ear Love who it. cares just take the picture capture the moment yeah Exactly. This is this is good for me because I'm not good at taking <laughs> pictures. I'm in, I'm internalizing all of this. <laughs> thinking too much. You're thinking too much. Yes. Okay. Who or what has been influenced? Ooh. I always say my first big ones, and uh, she's a absolutely talented uh, photographer, fine art photographer. She shoots a lot, and just she's person to capture the moment when you have a roll of top on your film and just she gets every shot i i, I adore love her it. for that yeah i aspire um, to be so her one day we love especially with our creatives we love learning kind of how they fill their tank up creatively um like a designer rachel pally who we had on the show she loves <laughs> um throwing clay pottery and she she explained to how that was like a recent thing that was really kind of um getting her re-motivated and ready to do creative work again. Um, what do you have like a favorite book, movie, museum, or any kind of creative well recently that you're just kind of going to, to get recharged? Actually what I do, mm -hmm. I do the opposite of artsy and I just go friends or go to a concert or like do anything. It's nothing to do mm -hmm. with looking at work. Cause I immediately will think of it. So that's basically it. Just like let loose with friends or go to the desert for one night and just look at the nothingness and just be one with it. That really helps me just kind of okay. clear my mind and not think of it. Oh, good. I love it. We, we also like it. to, yes. when, we, when we remember to do it, uh, we like to close our interviews um, with a final question. Um, but if you had, um, what was one quality that you had as a young woman uh, that you maybe didn't take pride in back then? that you look back now and you really appreciate and love about yourself? I looked at the old photos that I had yesterday and I realized that I had a lot of friends and I had a lot of love for my friends. And I didn't actually, I always thought I was just like this bully child and now I'm looking through these pictures and I realized how much love I had for everyone and I I always thought I was an introvert but like it's like an introverted extrovert type of thing. I, lo I love that about my young self and I carried that threat through my whole life and I have like 12 best friends like not one it there's like has to be 12 otherwise <laughs> like everybody needs to be mentioned so I think that's what I love that's that beautiful and, and I see that loving for sure well 
I have so enjoyed this interview and I'm so glad that we were able to coordinate with you, have you on and share your story, move a lot of people. And um, we're, we're just so grateful for you taking the time to do this with us today. So thank you, Bettina. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. This yeah. is so special. This was, it was a yes. joy. <laughs> this was like a, such a moment of peace and just reflection and I know kind of for all of us to be honest and we all we all logged on we're like oh, no, hi. <laughs> hi and um this this was really lovely so um thank you and we'll talk again yeah. soon yeah oh yeah thanks for oh, real, me. real quick where can people find you where can they find your work um Definitely my website. I just actually updated it today. It's bettinapolgar.com or Instagram at bettinapolgar. And I started my production company called Bulgar Inc. So at oh. bulgar.inc, you can also find me there just starting out. It's brand new. Okay. So give it some love. Exciting. It it. <laughs> we, will link, we will link everything in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You guys know where to find us. You've got to check out Bettina's work. This was incredible. <laughs> All right. See you next week. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?